Hi, I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. What you're hearing right now is the sound of children learning a language that's nearly gone in Canada, Gaelic. Oh, I'm very happy to hear that the Gaelic is being taught about again because I had no English when I went to school. That's Anna McKinnon talking to Globe and Mail reporter Greg Mercer. Anna is 88 years old, and she grew up in Sight Point on Cape Breton, off Nova Scotia's northern tip. Gaelic was the common tongue, spoken at home and in her small community when Anna was young. It didn't dawn on me that there was nothing other than Gaelic anyway. That's sort of the way it hit me. Yeah. You know, it was the fashion there. Everybody that came to the house, nobody spoke English. I seldom ever heard anyone speak in English unless somebody came home. When my relatives came home from the States, they always spoke English, but they had Gaelic when they left, but they were beginning over the years to lose it because they weren't practicing it. Over time, as more and more people stopped using it, Gaelic started to fade away in Canada, much to the dismay of Anna. Gaelic to me was like, it was keeping me alive. Uh-huh. I don't know how I can explain it to you. Maybe if I was younger that I could put it in different language or different phrases or whatever to explain to you what I'm trying to say. But, I mean, you know, we knew nothing other than Gaelic. Uh-huh. And uh, to me, it's... Um, I think you live longer if you have Gaelic. But now, thanks to a tiny school in Cape Breton, there's hope for a new generation of Canadians who will be fluent in Gaelic. And Greg is here to tell us the story. This is The Decibel. Hi, Greg. Thanks for being here today. Hey, thanks for having me. To start, how common is Gaelic in Canada today? It's not very common. Um, Census records will tell you there's a few thousand people who speak it, um, but most of those people are what we consider learners, not fluent. Mm -hmm. People who study Gaelic will tell you there's maybe a few hundred people left in the country most of them in Nova Scotia, who are you know, fluently Gaelic. And the, most of those people are elderly and, and are living in nursing homes. Their roots would be people from the Scottish Highlands. And so how did a Gaelic school come to be if it's spoken by, by so few people? Well, that's exactly what, what uh, caused the school to come into being, is that people were concerned that they're losing this language. At one time, there were thousands and thousands of people in Cape Breton who spoke Gaelic as their, their first language. That's been lost over time. And um, there's a group of parents in, in a place called Mabu, Cape Breton, a little coastal community of about 1,200 people. They said, we're concerned about this. This language is a part of who we are. It's part of our ancestry, and we want to preserve it. So they got together. They started their own private school. They fundraised and basically created it from scratch. And, and this September opened the first private school that's teaching Gaelic immersion to young children. You yourself have visited this school. So can you take us to that place? What does it look like? 
So I'll first tell you the name, and my apologies to Gaelic speakers out there, because I'm probably going to butcher it, but I'll try to pronounce it. It's Taig Skol na Drokeid, um, which translates to Bridge Schoolhouse in English. And when you see it, it looks like one of those old one-room schoolhouses that we've all seen in movies. It's, it's a little white house, essentially, that's on the property of this former uh, convent. And it used to be the home, the private home of a priest. They uh, have converted it into a classroom. When you walk in the door, it kind of looks like a small kindergarten class. You know, there's cubbies and there's whiteboards and there's, you know, pictures on the wall with words in Gaelic underneath them. And there's, you know, our weekly calendar and hooks for the kids' clothes, you know, with a, with a kitchen on the side and, and a bathroom. It feels almost like any small classroom that any of us have, have been into. There's only nine kids, so it's a very small class, and they, they range in age from five to seven. So it's primary age kids, and most of them live in, in the Mabu area, which is you know, a, an area that has a rich Gaelic heritage. Many of their parents would have, you know, their grandparents might have spoken Gaelic, or their parents, you know, maybe their mom or their dad might have spoken Gaelic. But many of the parents do not, but it was important to them that their kids would preserve that culture. So... Who is the teacher who teaches these kids Gaelic if it's, you know, not such a wide-ranging language? So who's got the skills to teach these kids Gaelic? So the teacher is a, a young woman by the name of Emily McDonald, and she told me she's learning as she goes. She's only ever taught adults in Gaelic before. She's never done it for primary-age children, so she's kind of had to learn as she goes and figure out what works for this age group and what doesn't. And the parents will tell you, you know, they'll pick up their kid and they're singing some song in Gaelic that they've never heard before. They're just kind of soaking it up like little sponges, not even realizing the significance of what they're learning. That That's kind of amazing then. So you've got these kids learning the language in school and then bringing it back to their parents, bringing it back to other parts of their community, I guess. I would imagine, though, it must be particularly difficult for these kids to learn a language that they're not hearing around them, because I think a, a lot of a lot of what language learning often is is this kind of uh, immersion in all facets of your life, right? You hear it at home, maybe you learn it at school, but how how difficult have you heard um, from the teacher? I guess how difficult is it for the kids to pick up a language that they're only really getting at school? So she says it's actually been surprisingly uh, successful so far, and and more than she thought it might be. Because the kids, you know, all of them in the class are all learning at the same time. Most of them are kind of at the same level in terms of their understanding of, of Gaelic. They're, they're kind of picking it up. But, I mean, you're right. The world they live in is, is, is dominated by English. Um, but it's, the teacher says she's been amazed at how quickly these young children are, are learning some of the early concepts of, of Gaelic. Did she give you any, any examples, I guess, of, of how they're picking it up? Yeah, she she just told me you know the, the common words or, or things for shapes and 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 uh, and numbers that kind of, that kind of thing that they're kind of repeating back to her or that they'll sing songs in the schoolyard where she'll sing a line and they'll sing the you know the next verse in Gaelic back to her. They want these kids to kind of grow and have, have a full uh, education in Gaelic from, from the arts to, to math to science and, and nature and history. They want them to learn all of those things in Gaelic. Uh, so there, it's a very early stage at this point, but the children are learning those fundamental, um, the, the, you know, the, the foundation for, for the language.
So we heard Anna McKinnon off the top of the show uh, discussing how Gaelic was her mother tongue growing up in Nova Scotia. Why did it die out over the years? There was a few reasons for that. Gaelic was largely spoken by, you know, the rural communities in Cape Breton. It was seen as a as a lower class language, so it was not the language of business and um it was not taught in schools, right? And in some cases, schools actively discouraged children from speaking Gaelic. In the Second World War, the federal government was worried that Gaelic could be used by subversives to, to spread messages that were sympathetic to Germany. There's no evidence that that happened, but this is the kind of discrimination that, that Gaelic people had to live with, that this language was looked down on. It was seen as, as a lesser language than English. And a lot of people who grew up in that era have those memories of being very severely discouraged from speaking the language of their parents. And their parents did not want them to speak it. When Anna was a teenager, if she was speaking Gaelic, she would have been stigmatized, essentially, by people around her? Absolutely, yeah. Anna told me a story of, of working at a general store in, uh, in Inverness, Cape Breton. And she said if, if the townspeople came in and heard her speaking Gaelic, they would chastise her. They would tell her it's a garbage language. Oh, I was told you talk that garbage. You talk that garbage too. That's exactly what they'd say. And the first time I actually cried because I thought, Gaelic garbage? You serious? That's not my attitude often. It was part of my life and to this day I'll still stick up for it and I'll fight for it with my fists if I have to. There was discrimination that went on that the people who spoke Gaelic were, were really looked down on. And, and so for those folks, it was traumatic. And they're still living with that today. And so this, this school says they're trying to work against kind of that legacy, that trauma from you know, the grandparents of these children who did what they could to actually kind of hide the fact that they knew Gaelic. I'll just go back to, to one thing you mentioned when you were talking about the teacher, Emily McDonald. Um, and you mentioned that she's mostly taught other adults Gaelic. Do we have a sense of, are there a significant number of adults, I guess, in, in Cape Breton or, or in, within Canada that are trying to pick up this language as well? So there's, there's been a real revival in, in recent years of people trying to keep the language alive. Um, there is a Gaelic college now in Cape Breton, and it tries to uh, promote Gaelic culture in particular, you know, Gaelic craft work, Gaelic songs, Gaelic festivals, that kind of thing. So there, there's growing interest from people who want to learn it as a second language. What this school is doing is trying to create a generation of fluently Gaelic children, which is unique and, and it's never been done before. But as you said, there's only nine of them. So how are they able to run a school for such a small group of kids? And, and do they think this is sustainable? The hope is actually to grow it. You're right. It's very small. But I think because it's the first year, they wanted it to be small because they're kind of uh, they've never done this before. They're kind of learning as they go. They felt that nine was sustainable enough to begin this first year. They hope to have more kids next year. I mean, many of these children in this class have younger siblings who want to join the school next year. So they already expect it will grow next year. Their hope is that this, within a few years, they could be up to as many as 50 kids uh, in this program. And they hope that this could become a model for other schools around Nova Scotia where there are, there's enough community support for Gaelic uh, immersion programs and they could kind of import it to those places and, and show them how to do it. It's interesting you say you're talking about, you know, siblings joining as well. So it, in, in some sense, you might you have this, these little groups of kids in this community who can speak this language amongst one another, siblings that can speak it amongst one another, that a lot of other people might not be able to understand. It's almost like their own little 
secret language in a way. Um, this is it. Yeah, it's every kid's dream, right? To be able to talk <laughs> and your parents not be able to understand. So yeah. that's what they're getting. <laughs> uh, where's the school getting its curriculum from? So they had to build it from scratch. This has never been done before. There's never been a, a Gaelic immersion school anywhere in North America. Mm-hmm. So they, uh, to build this curriculum, they, they looked to schools in Scotland where there is Gaelic immersion. They, they, they learned a little bit from them. They went to, uh, there's Mi'kmaq First Nations in Nova Scotia that are teaching their Indigenous language to children. They went to them and said, how do you do it? And learned a few things from those, those programs. They also went to French schools and said, you know, what can we do? What's applicable to what we're trying to do to just build a language program from scratch? So, so this is uncharted territory for them. This has never been done and they're, they're kind of evolving as they go. That's actually an interesting point, though, that you brought up, that they actually looked at the curriculum and, and how like a Mi'kmaq language school is is working and, and how they're building on that. That's a very kind of Canadian story here to hear these these different languages um, being revitalized in this in this similar way. Absolutely. Yeah, because other groups have been through this before. Right. Particularly indigenous groups have been doing this for years. They've looked around and said, we're concerned that our kids are not speaking the language of our parents. How do we preserve our language in an increasingly English world? How do we encourage our kids to to keep this language alive. And so groups like the you know, folks in Cape Breton, there's kind of a roadmap for them to follow by looking at, at First Nations. Can other language revival movements in Canada or in other parts around the world, can they learn anything from this Gaelic school and the way that it's being done here? I mean, what's interesting to me is they've done this with zero government help, right? They've just said, this is important to us. We're going to do it. And, and there are a lot of communities around the country that are faced with that same predicament that they, you know, the parents or the grandparents may speak a language. They're worried they're losing it. These folks are showing that, you know, if you're willing to put the time and the energy, and it does cost some money, right, to build a, a private school, even on a small scale, but they're dedicated enough that they're going to make it happen. And in some ways, to me, that, that's a really cool part of the story is just the, the willpower of these parents and these educators to say, no, we're not okay with this language dying. We want to do something about it. And this is a concrete step that, that we can take. So, Greg, I got to ask, from your time reporting on this story, did you yourself actually learn any Gaelic? So the one phrase that, that uh, Anna taught me was uh, a phrase she said will, will carry me through the rest of my life, and it's Pogue Mahone, which means kiss my arse. So she said that's very important that I learn that, and it was important to her that, that uh, I couldn't leave the interview until I could say it. <laughs> Vitally important phrase, of course, though, yes. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Greg, thank you so much for for taking the time to speak with us today. Thanks, Manica. My pleasure. That's it for today. I'm Manica Raman-Wilms. Our producers are Madeline White and Cheryl Sutherland. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.